for all the things that I could inherit, all the things that I've worked for, all the things my grandparents worked for, I treasure more than anything else your testimonies. They are my inheritance. They're the thing that I'm going to be most proud to pass on to my children. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, good morning again. And, uh, you know, when we, uh, when someone asks you, you know, hey, do you know this song? Or have you heard that song? Or have you heard that poem? Or do you know that story? Chances are we're familiar with one part of it. Maybe it's a song where, like, I don't really know if I know that song. And you hear the chorus, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that one. That's a new one on the radio. Uh, or we do that with poems or that kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I recognize it because of that one line. And so, um, and then as you learn it, as you hear it more, you, you understand the context of the song, the verses start to play in, and then you can even pan out further as you zoom out and you can see the context where the song was written and all those kinds of fun things. Well, this has happened to me recently with a song by Emmylou Harris, who's been one of my favorite singers and songwriters for a long time. Uh, I, I don't have very many bailout plans if something ever happened to Amberly, but Emmylou Harris was always one of them uh, for me. And... Um, <laughs> So just, you know, but that's, that's, uh, that's high, high quality, high character, good creativity uh, in, a, in a bind, you know. But anyways, Emma Lou writes this great song uh, called Bang the Drum Slowly. And I, I, love, I was most familiar with this line from this song that I just fell in love with. And she says, bang the drum slowly, I will speak of things holy, above and below me, world without end. And I just get goosebumps when I'd hear it because I'd be like, that's, that's the glory of Patri, you know, the glory of God. I mean, world without end. And then I'll speak of things holy above and below me. I mean, this is great theological introspection by Emilou. And But only recently I learned the background of the song. I started looking at the verses and listening to it more. And then I found out, because it seemed like a song, I started looking at the verses. This is about the grief of not being able to have all the moments with the people that we love that we would like. You know, we always, no matter how much time we spend with the people that we love and admire, we always wish there was a little more time. I wish that conversation could have gone on just a little longer or we'd had a little more daylight to finish that chat. And she says things like, I meant to ask you how to fix that car. I meant to ask you how to plant that field. And you start realizing that the depth of emotion in the song for her is great. And I realized recently that this is a song that she wrote to honor her father after he died. And it was such a deep and meaningful and difficult experience that she brought in help. So she brought in one of her best friends, who's also a songwriter, uh, to help her write the song, somebody who also knew her father, a guy named Guy Clark. And so Guy Clark comes in and helps Emily write this song about her dad. And I just thought, you know, that's how the beautiful songs get written. We're in a moment, a difficult or a beautiful moment like the birth of a child or something, you know, crazy happens and we begin to try to put it on paper and we need help because the emotions are so deep and so great. So, you know, a friend comes in to help me finish the song. And I thought, you know, I kind of imagine that Psalm 119, which we started studying last week, we're going to look at it this week, you know, if you set out to write a song, like how can we pass on to the next generation a love for God's Word? And how can we pass on to our children that God really cares so much about them and loves them so much 
that He wants communication, that He desires to speak and to connect at the deepest level of existence. How can we relay the treasure of God's Word, God's law, from one generation to the next? I imagine that it was a little bit like that. Let's bring this in. Let's get our best songwriters. Let's get our friends together, and let's, let's get this thing done, of course, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to do that today just like we would with any song, your favorite song. We're going we're gonna to zoom out, and then we're going to zoom in on one little set of the song. And so uh, zooming out wide angle on Psalm 119, uh, I, I noticed just this week that Psalm 119 is its location in the Psalms is very important. So it's, we talked last week, it's the longest book in the Bible, 176 lines. It's 22 stanzas for 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it goes through, and that's, that's how long it is. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Most of the time, if you open it up, that's where it's going to fall open. Uh, and so, um, but before Psalm 119, the, the chapters from Psalms 113 to 118 are psalms that are traditionally sung and celebrated on the pilgrimage feast. The, this would be our ancestors, the Jewish people. They would, they would sing these pilgrim songs during the season of Passover. Passover was the first great feast of the year. So there were three major Hebrew feasts that you can read about in the Old Testament. That, and we kind of, some of our Christian feasts follow those Jewish feasts. But the first one was Passover. And this celebrates what? that God saved his people, that God brought his people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That's what Passover is all about. That's the first big feast. And these feasts were, I mean, they were huge. They were like our Christmas and our Easter. And every, I mean, they pulled out all the stops and had all the food and all the gifts. And it was major holiday time. Passover. And so Psalm 113 to 118 really celebrated and helped pilgrims to worship during the season of Passover. And then after Psalm 119, you have the Feast of Tents or Tabernacles, which celebrates that God dwelled among his people and he lived under a tent, the tabernacle. And so God's people on pilgrimage also lived under tents, and so they would actually take tree branches and build these little huts to celebrate the fact that God didn't just live far away in the heavens, but that God lived close to us under a tent. So that was the third and final feast of the year, but the one in the middle that, so, you know, so you got those Psalms, 113 to 118, and then after that, you've got 120 to 134, the Psalms of Ascent. Well, right in the middle, with no extras, Psalm 119. Well, what's the feast in between Passover and the Feast of Tabernacles? It's the Feast of Weeks, which celebrates the giving of the law at Mount Sinai when God spoke the words of life to his people. And so all of a sudden it's taking on this new significance for me where God is speaking to a broken and confused world right in the middle of everything that's happening. He's observing a broken world where his chosen people are enslaved and troubled and they've forgotten their identity and their purposes in the world which is easy for us to do, and it happens in every generation. And so God begins anew the divine initiative to save and to dwell and to speak. To save and to dwell and to speak among us, those three major feasts. And today, Psalm 119, we're going to look and celebrate the fact that God speaks to us. Why does God speak? Why is it important that God speaks to us? 
Why is God's Word treasured above all the other words? Well, God's Word gives life. It is a creative Word. God spoke and things happened. God spoke and we were created. God is speaking a creative Word and He still speaks a creative Word today. God speaks and we live and we thrive as God's creation. And we are the ones who are endowed now with God's Word that is inside of us, and it is our vocation, it is our job to echo that Word into the world. So God creates, God speaks and breathes life into us, and then we emerge on the scene as co-creators of things happening all around us, and we merely echo the Word that we have heard and the Word that is inside of us, that's forming us, that's shaping us, that's making us holy and giving us life, that's allowing us to live in forgiveness and hope and faith and not to fall back into the patterns of the false self and fear and sin and all that stuff. So we're echoing that word that is within us and we're finding our vocation in the world as co-creators. So God is still speaking, we are still speaking, and the language that we share is God's word. So we celebrate it. One of the reasons that Psalm 19 is Psalm 119 is so beautiful. So, all right, so that's the panoramic view of Psalm 119. Uh, we've got all the stanzas we talked about. It's a Hebrew acrostic. Last week I read from Dr. Seuss's ABCs, you know, to show A is for apple and all that stuff. That's how this psalm is laid out. So each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, it, every line begins with that letter in, in stanza, and it's, it's just a, a beautiful thing that we miss a lot in English. But so zooming in, though, let's zoom in on the last part of the psalm that Sandra read for us, Psalm 119, the very end. This is the last letter. This is the Hebrew letter Tav, the last eight lines. And this emerges as a prayer. It's like the final gasp of prayer, and it's, it's sort of a bookend to all the prayers that have been prayed in the whole psalm. So you look at all 168 lines before 169, and now 169 through 176, it's just like this ceiling. You know, as you see in the old days, when you got the letter and you fold the, le- the envelope and you get the hot wax and the seal and you stamp it and boom, it's done. It's closed. You can't open it without breaking the seal. And so it's a prayer that says, okay, God, I've prayed all these prayers. I've dumped my heart out on the pages and I've dumped my heart out again and again in worship. Would you seal those prayers? Would you make those prayers come to pass? And so... Uh, that's what the last little bit is. My lips will pour forth praise because you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word because all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me because I have chosen your precepts, your word. So it's just a kind of a summary of everything that's been prayed. One last time to say, okay, God, everything, I'm leaving it in your hands, right? I, I poured it all out, now I'm going to bed. This is on your plate now. Uh, come and rescue, come and save me. My tongue will sing. I love this idea of prayer that the, the words that we pray, the words that we sing in worship are words that we've received from God. It's like, God, I'm going to open my mouth and the words that I'm going to say back to you are words that you spoke to me. That's what the Psalms are all about. It's giving us language to talk to God. And so, um, in preparation for this sermon this week, I, I went through Psalm 119 and all 176 lines, and I used my messy code system to mark each line and whether it contained 
one of these categories of prayer. So I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list or that this is the only kinds of prayers that are, and this may be just the wrong labeling, but this is how I made sense of all the different kinds of prayers in Psalm 119, okay? So uh, I had a D for declarations. This would be the times where you see in the Psalm where he just says, God, you are greater than everything else I've ever seen, so on and so forth, right? You speak and everyone gets quiet. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Those declarations. Then there are requests, which we know those, and they're in every one of them. Requests, God, please do this. Please do this. Please do this. Please do this. Would you, in your mercy, would you do this? And then right after the request usually comes some kind of outcome. God, would you do this so that I can do this? Will you make this happen so that I will love you more deeply? Will you do this so that my enemies will not have the final say? And they're about to tramp me to death over here. And would you do this so that? So then for outcomes or the so what or the things that might change if God acted, uh, I just put an O for outcomes. And then the next one was A for action. These are the times in the psalm where the psalmist says, I will wake up in the morning and I, your praise will be on my lips. I will go to bed at night and I will wrestle through the night with, in your company. You know, it's action, something I'm going to do. And then the final one was an L for laments. I did not see this until studying this psalm. I did not know that this stuff was in Psalm 119. But there are huge portions of Psalm 119 where the guy's just saying, things are not going well. I'm, I see darkness all around me. I'm sorely afflicted. And my enemies have the upper hand. And I need some help. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. And so, looking through all these different kinds of prayers, it's, it's wonderful to be reminded that no, no two prayers are the same. They all include, you know, versions of this where we're crying out to God and we're, we're responding to the word that he has spoken to us and we're looking for life in his name. So that's the last part of the psalm. That's kind of the summary, the seal for all the other prayers. And then I want to zoom in just a little further uh, just to kind of send you home with one portion of the psalm. So if you're following in your Bible or on your phone or whatever, that was the very end of Psalm 119. Now I'm going to invite you to back up to verse 105. 105, and this is kind of there in the middle. And the, the opening line of this psalm is celebrated in the song that we sung earlier. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, in, in our song example, this is like, this is getting down to the specifics of each line and why each word chosen is so important. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The lamp on the feet, this is just kind of your, it can be anything from a, a lamp in the temple to a lamp in your average household, your reading lamp. This is a, a lamp to my feet. This is illumination for where I am going to go. And I was thinking, you know, our feet are things under our control. We, this is part of our will and our going. Uh, the, our, our feet don't follow the circumstances necessarily. Uh, our feet are just our feet and we control them. So I think that there's a sense in which we're asking for God's illumination when we're walking in the dark. We're saying, give me grace to see my own feet here. You know, to, to my, my will, let my will be guided by your light so that every step that I take 
that I'm in control of, that one foot after the other, that I'm taking good, right, and true steps, that I'm moving here with the pace that you've given me. And then lighting up my path, you know, that's a little different. We don't always know the path changes from, you know, foot to foot, and we leave one type of terrain, we enter another kind of terrain, and we're still asking for God's illumination on our path. And I think of these as just the everyday circumstances of life. Most of these things we don't control. You know, we shape them and we hone them and we work them and we, we try to manage the outcomes, but then we still walk up to things that we didn't know were going to be in the path. So it's just a way of saying, God, for all the things I can't control, for everything out there that I'll see tomorrow, give light to my path. Let me know the things I can control, that I can grow in, that have to do with me, and then the things out there that are too big for me to see and control, just shed some light, and I'll keep walking in the way that I need to walk. And I think just, again, one of the dangers of just knowing one line of a song is is that it just kind of takes shape as its own thing, and you just imagine it in a certain way. And I always, I think just because of the song, you know, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and I always thought it was just kind of this nice, pleasant strolling psalm, just thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and I would just something you would sing like while you were in a, in a, in a front porch swing, you're just back and forth, just like la-ti-da, la-da-da, you know, just this e- real easy going, and then you get into this part of the psalm though, and it's, it's rough, and, but it makes perfect sense because when do we need light the most? Duh, Ryan, we're in, when we're in the dark, we don't pray for light when everything's hunky-dory, you know, when it's high noon and we can see everything. We pray for light, for God to illuminate our feet and our path when it's dark. And we absolutely don't know where we're going. We're not sure what's coming next. We're not sure if we go this way, what's going to happen. We're not sure if we go this way, what's going to happen. And we're not sure who's going to hold us accountable for all the thing. And we just carry all of that. We go, it's dark outside. And it's dark everywhere I turn. But even so, God, your word is a light. I have learned your word. I've treasured your word. I'm being drawn in by your word. And it's my great hope. And it's the great light that I trust to be on my path. The psalm goes on in lament. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. See, it's not a, I'm severely afflicted, so... You know, I think I'm just going to sit this one out, Lord. It's, <laughs> I'm severely afflicted, but give me life according to your word, right? There's a way that you bring life out of darkness and out of death. That's the gospel. This is what, how this works. Accept my free will offerings of prayer and praise, Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. Uh, I ho- there's a Hebrew idiom that just says, I hold my life in my palm. And that's something we would say when we essentially wanted to say, my life is at risk. I, my life is in peril, okay? As you call the friend up and say, I hold my life in my palm, that's when you kind of drop everything and you start listening. You go, okay, tell me, how bad is it? You hold your life in your palm. You're at risk. And I was thinking of just, you know, parents and administrators and teachers and kids and all this back to school across the world. Um, we're, we, we're facing situations where we literally hold our life in the palm of our hand. And uh, so we're, we're asking, you know, even in the midst of all that, we're saying, um, I do not forget your law. I, my life is at risk. I do not forget your law. It carries me. It governs me. It holds me. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. 
and rounding out your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. So in the midst of this lament, uh, the, the psalmist is saying, your testimonies, the things that you're saying and the life that you're rolling out for me here, Lord, th this is my heritage. This is my inheritance. You know, how much time do we spend thinking about what is our heritage, our inheritance, or our legacy, or that sort of thing? And he's just saying, for all the things that I could inherit, all the things that I've worked for, all the things my grandparents worked for, I treasure more than anything else your testimonies. They are my inheritance. They're the thing that I'm going to be most proud to pass on to my children. They're the thing that I'm going to be most proud to pass on to my friends and neighbors and those that I come into contact with. I treasure them more than anything else. My inheritance, my tes your testimonies are my heritage. And so I incline my heart to perform your word, your statutes forever to the end. So just to zoom in, that's just something to kind of commend to you as, you as you go back to school or you go back to work tomorrow, or you go back to all the places that you go, just something to zoom in a little closer and to, for the things that are difficult that we see around us that require lament, that they're there, and then for that hopeful tone of, but that's why I got, I'm leaning on you, that's why I'm leaning on your word, uh, it's an invitation to do that. And last week we talked about how this psalm has a beautiful in every line, just about, there's a, there's a, there's a okay, God, you're going to do this, I'm asking you to do this, and then there's something that I'm going to do, or some way that that's going to affect me. You will do this, and I will do this, and it's this back and forth prayer through the whole thing. And that's really been shaping me. It's been shaping my prayers these last couple of weeks as I'm learning. And what I realized about myself is that sometimes I'm willing to put the me in the prayer that is the me in the prayer that's polished, where everything's going good, where everything's just, you know, nice. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll put that part of me in the prayer, and then you can do what you will. But a lot of times it's the stuff that I'm not even asking for help for, you know? And uh, I, I don't need divine inspiration to level a board, you know? I, I mean, it would help, but I, but I don't need it. I, but it's like putting that part of me in the prayer that I'm, where I'm just desperate, the part of the prayer where I'm grieving or I'm sad, the part of the prayer where I'm unduly angry, the part of me that needs restoration. God, I'm going to put that part of me here, and I'm asking you in the rhythm of the psalm and the rhythm of the prayer, you know, when my contributions are just sadness or my contribution are just fear, uh, it's still prayer. And it's a prayer that God has been welcoming and inviting for centuries. And uh, it's a prayer that he's inviting us to pray. And so we wrap up this morning celebrating that God has spoken a perfect word and he continues to speak a perfect word to us in Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And it is that word that John tells us later. John says that Jesus, the word became flesh and lived among us, dwelled among us, tabernacled among us. And therefore we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live with the guilt from our sins, and um, we receive Christ today as God's summary word, and we lean together on his mercy. May we call out to him while he is near. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.